Hello and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and explores how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by Anna Mae Burrows, a PhD student in the School of Health and Life Sciences, to talk about a new study that examines the impact of gender and masculinity on male loneliness and social isolation. Anime, thank you very much for speaking to me today. Thanks very much for having me on. Now, this sounds like a really timely and a really important piece of research you're conducting. Could you just give us an overview of what it is you're looking to do? Sure. So the project was initially titled um, Young Men, Alcohol and Loneliness. And we're really interested in seeing how does masculinity feature in young men's presentations in their friendships? How does it impact on their ability to have close friendships? How does alcohol feature into these friendships and what impact does this have on male loneliness? So those are the kind of key parts of the studies that we're interested in. There's a lot of interesting stuff there to, yeah. <laughs> to, to look at. So we'll, we'll look at them one part at a time. We'll, we'll look sure. at loneliness, first of all. How, yeah. how, how prevalent is loneliness within this community? It's difficult to say, obviously, because any kind of measures of loneliness within different communities are obviously affected by, you know, whether people want to discuss it, how likely they are to report it. Particularly with men, you have issues of, there's a lot of studies which show that people who have these kind of adherence to strong, traditional masculine presentations, they're less likely to be open about feelings about loneliness, and they're more likely to kind of hide those, maybe through fear of seeing others perceive them as weak or not as manly. So it's really difficult to get an estimate, but from the research that I've done anyway in in the literature so far, it's definitely looking like women are more likely to report their loneliness, but actually the figures are that men may be more likely to be more socially isolated. Okay. And they may have less social support as well, which indicates that it's usually quite high. Why is that the case? Well, social isolation, as I was saying from the reading that I've done so far, it kind of seems as if you have a lot of these masculine barriers in friendships. So again, you're running against... um, different presentations of masculinity which may have these kind of ideals of a strong quite stoic man who doesn't really talk about vulnerability doesn't really talk about feeling bad or feeling lonely with others needs to fix it for themselves and have that sense of achievement so that can be quite a barrier in friendships where you know you really need that emotional vulnerability and you need that sense of emotional sharing for friendships to become quite deep which is why you get a lot of men who maybe report they have a lot of different friends, but they don't necessarily have particular friends that they'll rely on emotionally or they'll be more likely to rely on female partners or female friends for this kind of emotional labour. So that can leave men quite isolated. And what are some of the effects then of experiencing loneliness and social isolation? You know, all the kind of common things, you're more likely to experience depression, obviously, with loneliness. Um, You're less likely to seek support for any kind of mental health issues that you are beginning to have. You know, it's it's linked to a whole range of different uh, physical health conditions as well. People who are lonely are more likely to have, you know, different problems with like heart conditions. They're more likely to have like diabetes. There's a whole range of literature about the different physical impacts. But socially as well, um, there's a lot of really good work by a man called Cassiopo who looks at if you're lonely, you're more likely to have a kind of bias in the way that you perceive other people's intentions. So people who might be acting friendly towards you, you're less likely to see that and you're more likely to miss those social cues, which again feeds into that loneliness again. That's remarkable. Now, this study also looks at the concept of masculinity. And I think that for a lot of people, when you hear the term masculinity, it means relating to men. But what does it mean within this context? Well, it's really interesting and it's a very complicated term to define, as you can imagine. It's something that has been debated for such a long time now by scholars and theorists. There's kind of two main theories that I'm touching on to kind of define masculinity in terms of the way that I'll be doing, hopefully, my study. 
Um, so the classic hegemonic masculinity presentations, which are kind of brought forward by um, scholars such as Connell in um, 1995, there's a whole bunch of literature that they've written about it, which basically says that there's like a dominant presentation of masculinity throughout, you know, different cultures and societies. It could be different, but traditionally this is what we link with, you know, these kind of things that are linked to loneliness, which is like having to be independent, having to have, you know, strong masculine values of self-reliance not being involved with anything that's feminine, the kind of rejection of like homosexual behavior and feminine behaviors. So that's a kind of dominant presentation of masculinity. And that was kind of theorized in like the 1980s and 1990s. And basically that theory says that this dominant presentation of masculinity will push down and, um, you know, kind of restrict other presentations of masculinity. So people who maybe don't adhere to this will be less likely to, you know, perform this type of masculinity. And they, they experience stigma because of that. Also, people who are homosexual, who maybe have a different presentation of masculinity, you know, they're not going to be able to achieve this ideal. So that's one kind of outlook on masculinity. But you also have a newer theory by Eric Anderson and a few others. And this is called inclusive masculinity theory. And so this is newer literature, which is kind of finding, particularly among young men who attend universities or maybe like different social groups, their masculinities are more inclusive so there's less of a rejection of feminine or homosexual you know kind of behaviors or even just closeness among their friendships and there's a more of a rejection among these kind of traditional you know you have to be on your own you have to be really strong and really tough it's a much more inclusive masculinity that's kind of coming out in the literature in recent years so it's quite a wide topic yeah. it is quite broad yeah let's look at alcohol then how does alcohol then hinder or help Social isolation. I'm using help there as in, I imagine yeah. it sort of uh, greases the wheels of conversation, allows people to lower their inhibitions, it allows them to perhaps speak out more where they wouldn't necessarily do that if they were sober or not drinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's exactly it in some cases. So for some people, especially if you already have loneliness and you have these kind of quite restrictive views on what men should or shouldn't do in uh, social situations, it can open up people in a social context and it can give them that kind of confidence. It's been described by quite a few different people as maybe like an emotional prop for men to be able to demonstrate that kind of touchiness or like kind of more feminine, feminine behaviours such as emotional disclosure. It's been called liquid bonding as well. Things like in sporting events and stuff. Yeah, you come together and you, you know, everything's focused around the central act of drinking. You're able to have those relationships because of it. There's some really interesting work by um, Fernell Reed about the stag do. He did a really interesting ethnographic study where he toured around different stag do's in Prague and Poland and watched them basically bond together in a stag do situation, which was really interesting reading. So yeah, it, it's, it has that kind of effect. But it can also isolate people as well. You know, you have these kind of behaviours. As a man, traditionally, you're supposed to hold your drink. You're not supposed to get too over the top, but you're supposed to be able to drink ridiculous amounts. So, um, yeah, it can go either way, really. This study you're looking at, Anime, is focusing on men between the ages of 18 and 30. Hopefully, yes. That is the kind of age range, yeah. So do this age range find it more difficult to communicate their feelings? I imagine that that sort of that stoicism, that, that degree of independence that you're speaking about, that's certainly from, from older community, people that are in their 40s, 50s and 60s, whereas now there's a greater emphasis on young people, or, or just men in general, to share their feelings. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a really good question. So the thing is, we don't really know exactly what's happening with this age range. A lot of the research has focused more on midlife or on older men, because as you said correctly, you know, these are the kind of issues that we see more commonly in older men with these kind of, you know, strong masculine values and uh, 
the kind of loneliness is definitely recorded more in older age groups. So we really just don't know what's happening with this age group, but it's really important given that this is a whole new generation of drinkers, a whole new generation of men. And it's really interesting to see how these men are going about, especially since the literature is showing that there are possibly more inclusive masculinities that are kind of being fostered in these younger age groups. So yeah, it's it's important to look at. And especially we know that obviously suicide and self-harm is quite high among younger men. So it's it's interesting to see what will be happening there. In terms of getting young men to speak out, empirically, I can only speak from my own experiences, there does seem to be greater emphasis in communicating and, and talking to your friends about your, about your issues. Mm-hmm. You still think more work needs to be done in that area to encourage young people to share their feelings and, and share any worries or problems that they might have? Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's always more that can be done. Um, obviously, there's some really great movements that's coming out just now. You've got the Men's Sheds, which I think is for older yeah. men. You've got like Andy's Man Club. You've obviously got the Movember, which is fantastic. There's so much more out there, but there's also an equally strong drive among, for example, you know, this emphasis from different alcohol brands on getting men in the pub and kind of linking that with having a social experience with your friends. So it would be nice to see if men are able to do that without the kind of alcohol there as well and be able to discuss their feelings without needing to be in a pub setting or in somewhere where alcohol is involved. Because we know that alcohol is linked to like a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. It's an interesting uh, circle to try and square where you want to encourage people to share their feelings, but you want to do it in a, a healthy environment that, that yeah. doesn't have damaging effects like alcohol. If it's not mm-hmm. a pub where you can do this, where can mm-hmm. you do it? Yeah, exactly. That's a really good question. Um, and that's hopefully what we'll be looking at as well. It'll be really interesting to see where are men taking these kind of socialising events? Where are they able to connect with other men? And in what ways? What ways are acceptable for men to connect? And yeah, where are they doing this? Whether it's like sporting events or you know, different things that are happening online. What Where are men doing these things now? One of the things I've found in, in talking with my friends is like playing video games together, yeah. you know, sitting down for a game of FIFA and just like playing away, scoring a couple of goals and just just having a chat about how things are. Is, is that perhaps an avenue that's, that's worth looking at? Yeah, I, I would be really interested in doing that, definitely, especially because of lockdown. I mean, there's so many people that are now using things like Discord and different like online platforms to kind of communicate where they wouldn't have been able to go to the pub when these have been closed. So definitely, it'll be interesting to see whether that's something that comes up in the actual study, if people are now taking their, um, you know, their socialising online, because obviously that brings up different things such as competitiveness. We know that obviously there's a lot of competitiveness in um, some men's friendships, which can, we don't know what impact that would have on loneliness. And yeah, it'll be a really interesting new arena to see how that works. Yeah, I know there's not a lot of substantive research in this area, but why is this one you're interested in studying? I am interested in studying this. Um, as I said before, I worked in prisons before, so that was kind of seeing the extreme end of the kind of masculine presentations and how that linked in with quite heavy alcohol and drug use. But, you know, it's the same kind of issues that we're seeing inside the men not being able to talk or open up or not having these opportunities for those really close emotional friendships. And it's really, it would be really heartening to see in the literature if these kind of theories of inclusive masculinity are correct and there is more inclusivity now. It would be really nice to see that. I'm really interested in the mental health aspect of it. My background's in psychology, so this is something that's really important. And, you know, it's really important given the high suicide uh, risk for men. Yeah, this is something that's really, really important to study. So I'm hopefully looking to make a little bit of change in that. That would be great. Now, I know this is at very early stages and there's still things that need to be agreed, but can you talk a wee bit about the methodology and the recruitment process for the study? So the methodology will be hopefully qualitative. So I'll be looking to do maybe some interviews or focus groups with men, maybe groups of men and friendships to see what their thoughts and feelings are on these different issues. 
and generally how they find you know gendered behavior and masculinity how that plays out for them in their everyday lives in terms of loneliness alcohol and um, how close are they able to be with their friends you know these different kind of things so definitely kind of a qualitative approach in terms of recruitment like you said with the video games and stuff it would be interesting to see if there's maybe online platforms we can kind of recruit men from if there's different places outside of the pub as well as you know alcohol locations that we can find people so you know sporting events like i said different clubs just it's interesting because we find that men are more likely to do things together whereas maybe women and this is quite stereotypical but from the literature they're more likely to sit and chat or go for a coffee men are more likely to do a hobby or an activity where they can really be doing something physical together so I think that'll definitely play into the recruitment. We'll try and recruit people from these different places. You talk us through the roadmap, Anime, for this. What, what point does the study start and what point does it finish and what's going to happen in between? First, it needs to go through ethics and everything else like all the other studies do at GCU. Um, once we get the ethical approval, we'll go ahead and start recruiting people. We'll be able to do the interviews, have that kind of stuff take place. That'll go away and I'll have to do all the data analysis and then write it up and present those results um, so that people can actually use them and get some benefit from them, depending on what comes out of it. And in between, yeah, lots of reading, lots of reaching out to different groups and finding out more about where men are actually socialising and what kind of groups are useful for them. There could be loads of things that come up in the meantime that are actually, you know, men are saying, well, these are actually the issues that are really important to us and this is what would be useful to see in this study. So, yeah. I know the study's not started, but what sort of things do you think you're going to discover? Well, it would be really interesting for me, like I said, to kind of touch on this inclusive masculinity. It would be really interesting to see whether, you know, because that's that's mostly been studied with men in universities. So it's kind of traditionally a white middle class um, kind of background. So it'd be really good to see if that kind of goes through to other groups as well. And if, you know, maybe more working class or people who are not in university, who are in full time employment or unemployed, you know, do they think that's actually relevant for them? Are there other ways that men find masculinity impacts on their alcohol use or their loneliness that we haven't thought about yet? So yeah, it'd be really interesting to see that. And also like, how do men, you know, find the courage to socialise and have these kind of emotional conversations with people without alcohol? How are they managing to do that? Once you wrap up the study, how do you think you'll be able to put it into practical use? Well, obviously, presentation of the results via different platforms. Obviously, I'm on Twitter, so it's good to kind of put that out there. That's becoming a bit of a buzz place for um, different research stuff. Yeah, but it'd be really good to, you know, do things like this to disseminate the results, maybe get into touch with some of the people that will actually be using it. That'd be really great to see if it's useful for them. You know, at the end of the day, the benefit of the research is for the actual men themselves and, you know, finding out how we can actually support men to socialise in healthier ways. If there's anyone listening to this, uh, a young man between the age of 18 and 30 that thinks that I actually want to participate in this, I want to get involved, how can they reach out to you? Uh, they can get in touch by email, they can get in touch Twitter, you know, in, in touch with the supervisors as well, Carol Lindsay, Eleanor Demova and Simon Hunter, they're my supervisors, so yep, get in touch with any of us, that would be great. Anime, that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much for talking to me and good luck with the study. Thanks so much for having me on, it's been really great talking with you. Yeah, and I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning into this episode. And I hope you'll join us again very soon when we'll be in conversation with another member of the GCU community. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast to get every single episode sent straight to your listening device. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much everywhere else. If you could kindly leave us a five-star rating while you're at it, that would be fantastic. Until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer, and this has been The Common Good Podcast.